0: There's a famous painting that hangs in the U.S. Capitol. And it's a painting uh, that really depicts the surrender of British General Cornwallis at Yorktown to George Washington. Now, the interesting thing about this painting is that uh, a man named John Trumbull actually painted it, and he hung it in the Capitol himself. Now, get this. He did this in 1820, which, if you do the math, this year, that painting has been hanging there for 200 years. I want, I want you to take a look at this painting. You can see Cornwallis there and uh, his forces on one side, US on the other side, and they're raising the white flag. Now I want you to study this painting because a little bit later I'm going to ask you to remember it, okay? But they're, they're waving the white flag. now. The white flag is obviously the international symbol for surrender. It means to cease fire, to stop fighting, to yield uh, to an opposing force. And, And the white flag has been around for a long time. In fact, the Roman Emperor Tacitus speaks about raising the white flag even back in the first century AD, back to the time of Jesus. And so today, we're, we're studying the life of Jacob, and, and in this series, we are, we're, we're following what God is doing in his life, and we're going to see where Jacob comes to a white flag moment, when he finally surrenders himself completely to God, and this becomes a defining moment in his life, a huge turning point, a pivot point in his life. Now, let me just tell you this. All of us have to come to a white flag moment. All of us have to come to a place where we are willing to see God and surrender to his direction in our lives. if you got your Bible, why don't you open it up with me and we're gonna dive into God's word today. So we're in uh, Genesis chapter 32 and uh, we're beginning at at verse one. Now just kinda catch you up to speed on what's happening here. Uh, Jacob has been serving his uncle Laban for 20 years and it's time to go home. And so he's leaving uh, the land of Haran up in north, and he is going down back home to the land of Canaan. And now he has wives and children and flocks and herds and all this group with him, and he is moving home. But the problem with going home is he's got con- to confront some stuff of his past. He's got to deal with his brother Esau that he has offended deeply. Remember this brother that said he was going to kill Jacob. Well, all this is unsettled business. And so Jacob has to come back and confront the problems he ran away from 20 years ago. So let's look and see what happens. Uh, Genesis chapter 32, beginning at verse 1. This is the word of God. And Jacob went on his way, and God's angels met him. And when he saw them, Jacob said, this is God's camp. So he called the place Mahanaim, now now stop right there for just a minute it's just kind of an interesting thing that right off the bat it says Jacob is coming back in to the land of Cana area and as he comes back in he says the angels met him just look at verse one it says the angels met him what what in the world does that mean that the angels met him was he aware that these were angels did he just kind of know that looking back on the situation we're not really sure but we do know that many times we may encounter angels and not be aware of it. Did you know that? In the book of Hebrews, it tells us this. Hebrews 13, verse two says this. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. You know, when you follow Jacob's story, you, you it's an interesting thing here that Jacob, as he leaves the land of promise, he has this angelic encounter. Remember, there's a place at Bethel and he falls asleep, he has this vision of angels going up and down out of heaven and touching the ground, and and he has this angelic encounter, and then he goes away, and then coming back into the land of promise, again, he has this angelic encounter, and and, and we're not really sure what all this means, but I, I believe that God was sending Jacob a message, that this is my land, this is my place, this is holy ground. And, and the activity of God is happening in a very, very special way right here. I mean, wouldn't it be great if you were moving into new territory in your life, you were starting a new job, starting a new marriage, uh, starting going off to college, starting something new in your life, and, and you knew that God's angels were going before you? Wouldn't it be great? If you knew that you knew that God's angels are here with me, Well, you can know that. Did you know that God says that he created angels to take care of those who love Jesus? In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, it says, angels are only servants. Spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Listen, you can know for sure that God's with you and that he has sent his angels before you. Even in all these uncertain times, in the craziness of the world that we live in right now, you can know for sure that God's going before you and his angels are watching over you. Well, Jacob uh, continues his journey, and uh, well, let's just see what happens. Look at verse three. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the territory of Edom, And he commanded them, you are to say to my Lord Esau, this is what your servant Jacob says. I have been staying with Laban and have been delayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female slaves. I have sent this message to inform my Lord in order to seek your favor. And when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. And he has 400 men with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. (laughs) I bet you that is true, right? I mean, it's a distressing message, right? He said, I want you to go and tell my brother, hey, I'm seeking your favor. He goes, yeah, he's coming, and he's got 400 men with him. By the way, biblically speaking, 400 men was the size of a militia. Yeah, he's coming, and he's got an army uh, with him. And, of course, this is just terrifying news to Jacob. He's not really sure how to take this. And so, so he, he begins to go to work, and he's not really sure what to do, but he's trying to, trying to figure something out. And so what does he do? Well, he kind of breaks his group up into two camps. And he thought, his thought was, well, if Esau attacks one camp, then maybe the other one will have a chance to escape. And then the second thing he does is he prays. in fact, we're about to read Jacob's prayer. And this is one of the first prayers that we really read of Jacob. And we saw him at Bethel when he prayed briefly to God. But now we're seeing the heart of Jacob. We're seeing 20 years later, Jacob's heart toward God and Jacob's desperation. You know, crisis tends to do that. Crisis tends us to bring us to a place where we know that only God can help us. And that our desperate need is for God in our lives. You know, I mean, how many times have you been praying this week? God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through. God, I don't know if my business is going to make it. God, I don't know how what, what, how long this is going to last. And so crisis forces us on our knees. It forces us to acknowledge our need for God. And Jacob is coming to that place. And look at, what, look at how he prays. Look at verse 9. And when Jacob said then jacob said god of my father abraham and god of my father isaac the lord who said to me go back to your land and to your family and i will cause you to prosper i am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness that you have shown your servant indeed i cross over the jordan with my staff and now i become two camps Please rescue me from my brother Esau, for I am afraid of him. Otherwise, he may come and attack me, the mothers and their children. You have said, I will cause you to prosper, and I will make your offspring like the sand of the sea, too numerous to be counted. You know, I just love this prayer of Jacob. I guess I love it because in this moment of desperation, Jacob is really he's struggling, and he starts off just acknowledging God. He said, "God, you're you're the God of my father uh, Abraham. You're the God of my father Isaac, and uh, you're the God that spoke to me." And he's he's acknowledging God. He's praising God. He's he's speaking to God, and and he knows who he's talking to. And then in verse ten, he goes, "I am unworthy. I am so unworthy." I mean, I left this place with just a stick in my hand, and I've come back, and, and look at all that you've given me. But then he gets very real, and he goes, but I am afraid of my brother Esau. I'm afraid that he will attack me and the mothers and my children. I mean, you feel the, the raw nature of it, the emotional appeal of Jacob. Listen, that's what God wants from us. I mean, when we're praying to him, he doesn't want us just to pray in in churchy phrases and in King James language. He wants us to bear our soul and to say, God, I I don't know what's gonna happen. God, I'm afraid that this is gonna happen. And and God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And, And to be honest with God about our failures and honest with God about our fears. And Jacob was doing that. And at the end of it, he says, you know, God, I, you're the one that promised me that my, my descendants were going to be like the sands of the sea shore. God, if, if Jacob attacks me and kills us, then how will your promise come to reality? And so Jacob just cries out to God. Listen, there comes a point when all we can do is cry out to God. You've heard the phrase desperate times A call for desperate measures. I really think it should say desperate times calls for desperate prayers. And by the way, if there was ever a time in our nation when God's people need to be praying desperate prayers, it's right now. Maybe you need to be praying, God, I'm desperate. I don't know where this is going. I don't know how I'm going to survive. But listen, God bends his ear, turns his face to those who pray desperate prayers like this. Jacob, he finished his desperate prayer. And then he just began to prepare for Esau. Esau was on his way. And in many ways, this was like judgment day. For Jacob I mean this is a day he had been dreading his whole life and this is probably the day that Esau had been looking forward to his whole life and he's come marching in here and he's got his militia with him and Jacob is just fearing the worst and so what is what does Jacob do how does he prepare to meet Esau well he uh, does a couple of things one is he he sends some servants ahead uh, to meet Esau as he's coming toward him with these lavish gifts I mean, he says multiple waves of these servants and, and they all have uh, hundreds of cattle and hundreds of, of, of different sheep and goats and so on. And, and they're all encountering Esau and saying, these are the gifts of your servant Jacob and he is behind us. Maybe, maybe these gifts will soften Esau's heart toward him. And then he takes his family and he crosses over the river Jabbok, which by the way is still there today. It it intersects the Jordan River almost right in between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, almost right in that middle section is a Jabbok River. And, And he crosses this Jabbok River and then he puts his family in one camp for the night and then Jacob goes alone by himself and i don't know what he's planning. i don't think he has a plan i think he's probably so distraught so anxious so worried about what the next day will bring what tragedy is going to come that he probably just either wanted to pray or he he wanted just uh didn't want his family to see him pacing and walking and fretting all night long uh either way he is by himself and then something happens that he would never have anticipated so look, look at what happens. Look at verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And what is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. And he said, why do you ask me my name? And he blessed him there. Then Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God, for I have seen God face to face, he said, yet my life has been spared. Have you ever had a dream and uh, you, you dream that you're fighting someone? I, I remember several years ago, man, it was such a vivid dream. I mean, I I can remember kind of the building I was in and I remember I was walking in this hallway and some guy kind of like a plumber or something, but you know, some like a construction guy that was there, but then I I felt like maybe he was just dressed up like this, but he was really a bad guy and I turn around and the guy attacks me and I'm wrestling with this guy and I just remember this, in this dream, I've I've got him by the arm and I'm pulling his arm and I wake up and I've got Liz by the arm, all right? It's really dangerous, all right? And, uh, but, but that is not what is happening here. This is not like some vision, some dream, some thing going on that he's going to wake up from. This is actually happening. I mean, he is trying to get some rest, and he gets pounced on, and he gets assaulted. And this is not a dream. This is physical. It is violent. They are wrestling back and forth and fighting back and forth, and they do it all night long and you know a lot of people said well you know okay who is this guy i mean out of nowhere some guy just just jumps on him what what is the deal with this person who is it and there are a lot of different views you know there there are a lot of scholars that take different positions some say this is an angel that god sent to just uh whip jacob for a while or just do an old texas uh, texas old-fashioned texas tail kicking all right And and, and maybe he sent an angel to do that. Others believe, get this, others believe that this is a, what they call a Christophany, which means an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. Now, why would they say that? Because he wrestled with a man, and yet later, uh, Jacob begins to realize that he has seen God face to face. Well, listen, there is only one God man, and his name is Jesus. And so he's wrestling, and he's fighting, and it's violent, and it's frustrating, and it's so raw. But the real issue is not, who is this person? The real issue is, why is this happening? Why is this violent thing happening here? Why is this like the octagon, and all of a sudden they're going at it? What is happening here? Let me tell you what is happening. God is bringing Jacob to a point of ultimate surrender. The God is bringing him. This is the defining moment. This is the moment where He's saying, "Hold on, I am going to pin you to the ground until you have no other option but to submit to me." They're they're wrestling back and forth, and finally the dawn comes, and the man's ready to call it quits. And so I just picture he grabbed Jacob uh, by the ankles, and he looked at him and he said, "Make a wish, right?" And then crack, just just pull his hip right outside probably screams of Jacob could be heard for miles around but even still Jacob would not let go I mean the man's pulling probably dragging him and he's going, I'm not gonna let go I'm not gonna let go to you bless me and then the man turns to him and this is the moment the man turned to him he said what is your name I, I envision it that the man leans over and he says hey what is your name jacob just weeping and in pain he said my name is jacob he goes well, what is your name my name is jacob the deceiver no what is your name my name is jacob the heel grabber the manipulator of the selfish person the one who always had to have his own way they didn't care who he are that's who i am and he said that is who you were but that is not who you are now your name is israel because you have struggled with God and with man and prevailed. It was a new day. When the sun came up that morning, Jacob was a new man. It was a new dawn. You know, there's a a principle in the Christian life that is very important for us to understand and that is the principle of surrender. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. No one can ever really walk with God or really know him until they come to a point of full and complete surrender to God. You may say, well, why is surrender so important? Because get this, only when we surrender do we acknowledge the authority of God in our life, acknowledge who he is, and submit ourselves to following him and going his way. We all have to come to a point where we wave the white flag, where we raise our hands and surrender, where we tap out and we say, God, I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm not going to run from you anymore. I'm not going to insist my own way anymore. I am going to surrender completely to you. Have you done that? Have you come to a point of surrendering to God? I remember a man named uh, Cecil McGee years ago when I was in, when I was in seminary. This man I've talked to you about him before, but uh, he was probably about five foot three, five foot four. He was in his 70s, uh, mid to late '70s when I knew him. Uh, probably weighed about 120 pounds soaking wet it was a little guy but he was a giant in the faith and he would lead these prayer retreats and and i would go with him and i would see in these prayer retreats though it was very simple what he was doing that there was a profound power in these retreats and uh, i asked cecil one time what is the secret to that and he said craig When a person finally surrenders to God, that is when God can use them. When they finally shift from saying, my will to your will, only then can they really know God. You know, this is um, the beginning of Holy Week. Christians all over the world are are beginning to think about the the life and the death and the sacrifice of Jesus. And and when we think about Holy Week, we have to think about Jesus and that garden of surrender. You know, in fact, the, the story of Jacob is really a foreshadowing of the ultimate story of Jesus. And this wrestle with Uh, jacob wrestling uh, with god at night all alone by himself um, uh, anticipating wrath to come is really a an ultimate finds its ultimate expression in christ when he is at gethsemane and he is wrestling with his father's will and he, he tells the disciples to wait and he goes away a little further into the garden to be alone and he cries out, Lord, if there's any other way that, that mankind can be redeemed, any other way that this cup of wrath can pass from me, then God take it away from me. Father, take it away. But every time he surrendered, he said, not my will, but your will be done. See, Jesus understood the power of surrender. Now, a lot of times when we think of surrender, we think of that's something bad, right? If I surrender, that means I quit. If I surrender, I've been defeated. If I surrender, that's something bad. We hear the echoes of Winston Churchill in our head saying, we will never surrender. We will never surrender. And there's something in us that doesn't want to surrender. But what we've got to understand is that God's view of things is very upside down from our view right? And we think, well, I don't want to surrender. I don't need to surrender. I need to keep fighting and moving forward. But actually, it's actually only when we surrender that we actually win. It's only when we actually surrender to God's will and surrender to His purpose and His control in our lives that we actually begin to live the victorious Christian life. You see, sir, I want you to get this, right. I want you to write this down, right? I want you to write this statement down because it's very, very important. Surrendering to God is really surrendering to God's best. Do you get that? Surrendering to God is surrendering to God's best, to God's best in your life. Surrendering to what He wants and how He created you and what His plans are for your life. And the more you resist, the more you fight, the more you run from, the more you try to do your way, you're missing out on God's best in your life. Let me give you a couple of things to jot down here about that, this surrender in our life. Three things that I just want to point out very quickly. First one is this, that surrender reveals your true identity. We see this in Jacob. You know, once Jacob surrendered uh, to God, it was only then that he got this new name. He was given this new name. Your name is not Jacob. Your past is gone now. And all that's wiped away. The old way used to be, the old life you used to have is gone. You now have a new name and a new day and a new purpose. I mean, this is a man who would found a nation that still today bears his name, Israel. When Jesus went to the cross, when he surrendered to the Father, he made it possible for you and I to be born again, to start over, to have a new day. And listen, when you surrender to him in faith, and you say, Lord Jesus, I don't wanna fight you anymore, I want you to to be my Lord, I want you to to lead my life, I'm not gonna fight you anymore, I wanna go your way, then what the Bible says, God gives us a new identity. All of a sudden we are called his sons and his daughters. We are called forgiven, we are called his chosen, we are called his beloved. You see, you never get to that place of new identity until you first go through the valley of surrender. But God wants to give you a new identity. Let me give you another one. Now does God want to give you a new identity, but only through surrender do you find reconciliation. This surrender uh, leads to reconciliation. Same thing happened in Jacob's story jacob finally comes to this fighting point this surrender this white flag moment and and in that surrender what happens is that that he he moves into the new day and he he has this encounter with esau esau comes with his militia and i'm sure jacob is just so terrified and he puts his wives in front of him and his children in front of him it's kind of kind of uh kind of lame if you ask me, you know, kind of human shield-like, but he puts them all in front and then he starts bowing and bowing and bowing to Esau and Esau gets off of his horse and runs toward Jacob and embraces him and kisses him. Who would have thought? He thought he was going to get wrath, but instead he got grace and mercy See, when Jesus surrendered to his father, he made it possible for you and I to experience that same thing. And when you and I surrender to God and say, God, I don't want to fight you. God, I need you. I need you my life right now. I, I don't want to fight you anymore. I don't want to go my way. I don't want to be my old person I used to be. That when we surrender to God, then that's when we don't find wrath like what we deserve. But we find mercy. You see, at the cross, Jesus absorbed the wrath of God. That's what we're thinking about this week in Holy Week. We're going to think about the cross. We're going to think about the sacrifice of Jesus. On that cross, all of our sin was placed on the back of Jesus, and he absorbed the wrath of God. He drank the cup of wrath uh, on our behalf so that we could find mercy and forgiveness and grace, the embrace of God, the kiss of God. Surrender, it gives us a new identity. Surrender, it gives us reconciliation. Let me give you one more. Surrender not only does that, but surrender allows you to make an impact in the world. Only really through surrender can you make this lasting impact in the world. Jacob emerged from this place of surrender not only with this new identity, not only with reconciliation, but he goes on to be a nation. A nation that would be given the mandate to glorify god to all other nations to be a light to all other nations and through him would come jesus And when Jesus went to the cross, it was only because of his death, his surrender to his father's will that now uh, he calls to himself men and women from all languages and all backgrounds and all tribes and all cultures. And he brings them together to be a new people and a new nation and a new group, a new family that he calls the church, that he empowers uh, to take the gospel to the nations. And listen, when you surrender, God you finally become a part of this family you finally are infused with God's divine purpose for your life you finally have his spirit within you and his word before you and his hand on you and his people around you to walk by faith and fulfill the purpose for which he created you You see, all of this happens. The the victorious Christian life only comes to you through surrender. So let me ask you something. Have you come to that moment of surrender? Are you still fighting with God? Are you still wrestling with God? You remember that uh, painting that I showed you just a few minutes ago? that painting of Cornwallis surrendering to uh, Washington at Yorktown. You remember on one side of it, there was, a, there was Cornwallis and he has this white flag of surrender. And you can see that white flag from really two angles. One angle is to see it um, from Cornwallis' viewpoint, which means I, I've had to surrender to this opposing force. I'm, I'm yielding, I'm laying everything down. But if you were to see it from a different angle, if you were to see it from the other side, that white flag meant freedom. That white flag meant the birth of a nation. That white flag meant the beginning of something new and beautiful. And listen, when you come to a point of surrender to God, you may see it as, well, I'm just kind of giving in to what God wants, and I really wanted this, but, but now I've been fighting God, I'm finally gonna to surrender to God. But what you need to understand is, when God sees your surrender, He sees you, and He says, finally, I can bring you into a new day. Well, can you really be free to know me and to walk with me and fulfill the purpose I have for you? See all the blessings of God, all the goodness of God comes to the channel, comes to the funnel of surrender. And that's what God wants in your life. Are you willing to surrender the control of your life to God? You ready to surrender your family to him? Are you willing to surrender your, your future? to surrender your past? to surrender uh, your hopes and your dreams, to surrender uh, that thing you've been pursuing that you wanted more than anything else that God may be redirecting you from? Are you willing to put everything on the table and say, God, all that I've wanted, all that I've hoped for, all the dreams that I've had, all the past that I've held on to for a long time, even the blessings, God, that you've given me, I'm willing to put it all out there and say, God, it's yours. I surrender to you. Listen, when you do that, that's when you begin to live. That's when you are free to be who God created you to be. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. I said at the very beginning of this message that all of us need to come to a white flag moment where we surrender completely to God. And maybe at the beginning of this holy week, you realize that that's what Jesus was doing all along, was making a way for you to be right with God. See, the Bible says, while well, we've sinned against God and gone on own way, and we're fighting him and doing what we want, that God sent Christ to surrender to the Father, to go to the cross on our behalf, that he was buried and he rose again from the dead, and he offers you new life if you will surrender to him. And maybe right now you've been fighting God and you know it. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. And so today is the day when you say, Lord, I'm going to stop running from you. I'm going to stop fighting you. I I realize I'm a sinner like Jacob. I know who I am and you want to give me a new identity. And so I'm just confessing my need for you, Jesus. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Maybe you need to pray that prayer right now. If you do not know Christ right now in this moment, right while your head is bowed, breathe that prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I, I confess my sin to you. I believe you died on a cross and rose again. Please forgive me and in come into my life right now. Just tell him that. But some of you, you've given your life to Christ, but you have not fully surrendered to him every area of your life. Maybe like Jacob, you, you've known God, but you've not surrendered fully to him. And right now, in this moment, you need to surrender it all. Would you take a moment and say, Lord, I want to give you all that I have. I surrender to you. Father, I thank you for your unfailing love for us. And Father, that you made a way for us through Jesus Christ to finally surrender, to say, not my will, but yours finally wave the white flag to lay down our fighting and lay down our struggling and lay down our past and our control and our disappointments and all those things and to say lord all i want is you i just want to go your way lord i pray right now that we would surrender all that we are to you in jesus name amen